This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. What an absolutely interesting time it has been since, uh, you know, thinking about elections 2024. Everything from the ocean of blue that has been uh, through many parts of Pretoria over the last weekend um, and also the very, I suppose, you know, when you hear the sound of you you attach that memory to very specific colors, black, green, and gold, and controversies. But now we were seeing this in the context of the Democratic Alliance, which is also just such an interesting expansion of, you know, what uh, freedom fighting is, what the struggle is, what the new sense uh, of all of these songs and cries and anthems actually mean. So let's talk a little bit about it, a deep dive into the Democratic Alliance. Their party is confident of 2024 election victory. They believe South Africans will be rescued from a corrupt ANC-led government that is coming to an end as the country's main opposition party. They launched its, uh, their election uh, manifesto with a clear mandate of defeating the African National Congress in this year's general elections. Political analyst Seisman Mutluung joins us right now. And as always, you can as well on 0861-987-000. Seisman, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to Power Lunch. Hi, baby. Greetings also to your listeners. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a busy season for us, uh, especially, you know, now that we're, we're not only thinking about manifestos and prom- promises, but, you know, this overarching idea of... 2024 being the new 1994. So with that as the backdrop, Seisman, I wonder, what did the DA bring to the party? Yeah, I think when one really listens to what the DA is is saying and they are bringing, you really do not see a much variance from what or who they really are as a political party. You see how they spoke recently in the manifesto, uh, talking about the aspect of meritocracy versus uh, cadre deployment. Mm. And you can extend that to issues of uh, BEE, of affirmative action. So they, they are still holding on to that aspect. They are still holding on to aspect of crime reduction. They spoke to I think they wanted to triple reduce the cost of a, a crime and violent uh, violent uh, assault. So they still coming through as a voice that promotes the rule of law and mm. good governance. It is not anything very uh, new or innovative, even at the point of inspiring. You 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 kind of like hear what you already expected from them. Mm, it's very interesting. Okay, so, I mean, some of the promises that leader Stian Hazen made, you, you, you've kind of covered one or two um, in generality, but is there anything that stood out to you, Seisman? You know, I think I, uh, I should, took particular interest in this aspect of uh, grade four, targeting grade four, and their ability to read with meaning. 
And this issue of grade fours that cannot read is not new in our uh, uh, policy mm. problems. You can go as back as 2017, I think 2016. I want to even think when President Mbeki was still in power, there was still that aspect of grade fours who cannot read with meaning. And they now, in a unique manner for me, compared to other political parties, they've identified this as an issue that they want to really uh, uh, take attention to. Mm. So that that was big for me. And then the, 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 the rest of the debate around that can be controversial depending on educationalists or practitioners who, who would critique the scoring or the tools that are used for assessing and it's interesting the same debate of grade fours that cannot read also became an issue in elections go texas in the u.s yes uh, so there, this is something uh, we need to look at is it a systemic issue or is it a problem at home or a culture the culture of reading generally as a nation what really the problem is i think a policy discussion is necessary to diagnose whether it is the measuring instruments when they do assessments on these children or indeed it's a it's a it's an inherent aspect that the students the learners cannot read and there has to be some improvement on that part what about the assertion that the Western Cape is a prototype of sorts for how South Africa will be run should the Democratic Alliance come into power, Seisman? Yeah, I think it is definitely in a sense that the DA already purported that they have a long history in governance and where they've governed is in the Western Cape. They want to use that as a point of reference. And you also see how, in, I think it was at the State of the Nation debate, how other political parties, particularly the ANC, were ignoring Western Cape to a large extent and going to Tswani and say, you want to enhance or even expand your terrain of, of, of governance, but you have had eight years in Tswani. We don't see a significant improvement in the material impo- uh, conditions of the residents of Botswana. Mm. So this is something I think a DA will be bringing as a lesson from the Western Cape and implement, roll out those uh, practices to the general scape of landscape of the country if they should come to power. Mm, it's very, very interesting. Uh, this next idea of, of appealing to the masses, because even that idea of uh, the Western Cape being a showcase of what they can do, I mean, there's great division um, about what it means that they've been able to do for all residents of the Western Cape. So that's one thing on on, on the burner. The other is, I suppose, the turnout that were so many black faces. So does that mean we're moving away from racialized Mm. politics? Mm. And then I suppose added to that mix, if you don't mind, Seisman, is this idea of struggle songs, (laughs) pan-African kingdom songs, (laughs) chanting... From the DA, <laughs> Can, yeah. are they speaking to the masses? Is it? Is it a what? What do you make of it? Yeah, it's, it's part of the political culture. Let's go and see Rizum Zanzi when they were launching their manifesto and they were singing. It's culture shock. You, if the chance that Rizum Zanzi had were foreign to any voter. Uh, it, it was really, it's like cheering, it's like at a sports <laughs> event. 
but you know this is what we're expecting okay. and you feel like hey what is this political party can i can i really so we we are mm. socialized to this a militant singing mm. and this kind of a heart-wrenching songs you know of of suffering and mm. struggle and how you're going to fight against the enemy but now when the enemy happens to be yourself and now this is a black mm. government it, it becomes something else so you see in the da they're deliberating how they are chanting as well uh, I see other people are saying they are remixing EFF songs and stuff, but you somehow have to do that if you want to have the people of that culture feel welcomed, even though it's so strange because we know that uh, that political party is not in that tradition. It, it is something I think if they were to be creative and to bring their own songs, if they have their own uh, slogans, instead of copying a, a single a, sim, a similar template you know so that that is the challenge for this political parties mm. on how emotively do you connect with the people and that extends then to how a da governs and when you are told or you present your black faces now at the launch we see very few white while the normal critique is that you are a white party and this debate is still there that whenever da goes to the streets it is black bodies that that are visible that present themselves but when it comes to issues of governance and point appointing people to offices of power you see the white faces mm. so the launch as well could still be a continuation of that criticism that black people are, are visible but for opportunities you the democratic alliance are not giving them that uh, uh, space and look into townships of, of western cape where they're still under development and now for me it, it, these are structural issues yeah. even if anc can go to to yeah. to, to govern uh, uh, western cape tomorrow I don't think the Google Tunyangas will be radically reformed and transformed. ANC has been governing in so many and is still continuing to govern in so many areas where there are squatter camps, they, they, they've promised Alexandra houses, they still did not. So it is the reality that we in politics have ideals of a good society, but we live in a non-ideal reality mm. that certain things manifest as contradictions to what we aspire for. And I think this is what energizes a political contestations. We're not saying tolerate it, leave it as a mm, reality, mm. accept it, but we contend with these uh, conditions. So give DA a break, but look at what they are really doing, how they are managing their traffic. You remember sure, how sure. taxis were fighting or you are impounding our cars. So what if DA brings the same policies in Johannesburg, in Gauteng? Maybe motorists will even say, oh, it's a new it's a new picture that we see when there's a serious law enforcement on the road. I mean, I think it's very, very interesting and quite sobering what you're saying, right? Um, getting down to the meat, uh, essentially, of what the manifesto says. But it is so interesting how emotive politics still is in South Africa, even more mm. so, I think, than ever. And every party is doing it. Seisman, I don't know if you've seen this video of... Um, I'll just read the, the, the text under the mm. video. It says, Da is busser beskikbar 
allemaal is welkom, sien jou daar, en they're head to toe in EFF regalia, okay? So, so everybody's trying to move outside of their original, um, uh, you know, base, um, because really in South Africa, you, you almost have to strive to represent all. Definitely. And I think the EFF could even say to you, we were never anti-white. We were saying, if you're white, you're welcome, Mm. but know that you're equal to a black and you are fighting a struggle that uh, leads to the emancipation of the black. Personally, I've observed, uh, because I'm here in Vanderbilt Park, I also spoke to some Freedom Front people, uh, got local government elections. There's an area here called Polukong. Uh, in the Val, and uh, talking to the residents there, they were saying, if we want, if we were to have a white government, things will be better. Mm. Here they were not saying if we were to have a apartheid. They were saying if we had a white government. Mm. And I talked to some colleagues there, but in, in the Freedom Front, and I said to you, you, why are you not campaigning in black communities? So we still have that ra- uh, racialized politicking yeah. where a political party that is dominantly Africans uh, will, will present itself the same way. And if you are black, you can't understand Africans. You feel over here, you are a foreigner, yeah. you, you don't belong. And this is the something that is, is encouraging when you see political parties trying to break that color wall. Uh, and then they want to say the racial divides should really not exist anymore. It is truly encouraging. Sizman, we'll have to leave it there. Political analyst Sizman Mutlu. Thank you. Thank you so much. This time talking uh, initially about the Democratic Alliance uh, and some of the statements made by their leader, John Steenhazing. But I suppose overall, an analysis of what it means to have a political party. Who do you represent and how do you emotively capture the electorate in 2024? You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.